Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. Today is World Mental Health Day and Brooklyn's Radio wants to play its part. Join me, Leanne Brown, for a special programme talking about mental health in the community. As well as being at the Row Paddle Run event at Weybridge, coming up in the programme I'll be talking to Steve Tyndall, founder of the Believe Foundation, and Miss Scott, who is Head of Year 8 and the Pastoral Care Leader at Fulbrook School. Um, I'm here in Weybridge by the Thames and I'm here with Tony and Tony's our Elmbridge Mayor so welcome Tony. Thank you and uh, and it's nice to be here. Can I just say it's a rather chilly morning down in Weybridge. <laughs> it is a little bit nippy isn't it? Luckily we've got some coffee here. Oh, the coffee's nice. I can I can guarantee that you'll enjoy the coffee. <laughs> Absolutely. So we're here for a special um, a special moment, really. We've got run paddle run uh, row, run paddle row even, um, and we're here with with the Grace Deer Foundation and Trust. And I was wondering, um, you've you've mentioned that you chose that as your charity um, this year. So how how do people get involved in um, p- presenting their charities to you? And why did you choose Grace Deer? Uh, what happens is uh, most people, they make an application through the Mayor's Secretary or to the Council itself and then we will sit down with the officers and look to see what, you know, what, what is good for our borough, how we can support these people. And when the Grace Tier Trust was put in front of us, we realised straight away that, you know, with the pandemic you know, and the mental health of children, it was our charity, it was in our patch. So we needed to support a charity like that. And, and to us, it's the right charity. So Joe, my partner, and I, myself made that decision that we would support the Grace Deer Trust. It does that makes it definitely gets to the heart and 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 you're, it's something inside you, isn't it? I find you know listening to Graham, um, it definitely not pulls the heartstrings, but it definitely makes you think, doesn't it? I have a 15-year-old daughter, and, and, and I see, you know, the similarities of, of what's happening, not just with her. She's, I believe, a well-balanced child, but there must be lots of her friends who are not, do you know what I mean? So, and I think and I'm encouraging my daughter to talk to people and, and to help people, and I think it's, it's about talking to each other and helping each other, isn't it, do you know what I mean? And I think that's the important thing we need to do. I think you're absolutely right, and I think that's probably the, one of the only really good things that came out of that pandemic. <laughs> but we've actually been able to um, have the conversations that we're having today and I think that's really important yes and I think so too and I think you know that our children is our future and if we're not supporting them we're not supporting ourselves either are we absolutely well thank you so much for taking two minutes of your time you're very busy man Um, and like we said maybe we'll go and get a coffee now to warm ourselves up I think I need a coffee now thank you (laughs) (laughs) thanks a lot so we met a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? We, we did, we did, Barry, yeah. We... Uh, over in Weybridge. Now, now, if you could, tell us the story of your lovely daughter. Okay, so um, Grace was this beautiful uh, girl uh, that came along in, in our lives and changed our lives forever. Um, she was just like all these other young girls out here uh, in the rowing boats and getting ready to run. She had a fantastic life. She... Um, she would, you know, I know it's a cliche, but she would brighten up every room that she ever entered. But unbeknown to us, she had this illness, and it is an illness. You have to understand, the British public have to understand that um, mental health is an illness. You can't see it. We all put this mask on like I'm doing today. Put this mask on. And you can't see what's behind that mask. And unfortunately, 
we didn't see as a family, we didn't see until it got a bit too late. And at the age of 13, Grace was um, really, really struggling with her life and we just didn't realise. And um, when we finally found out, we tried everything we could do to save Grace. Um, But unfortunately, this illness had taken hold. Like all illnesses, if you don't get it at an early age, it will take hold. So what I would say to you all today is just, as Judy has said, just look out for each other. Life, if could be just, if we could just be a bit kinder to each other. You know, life doesn't always go in a smooth line. There's, there's ups, there's downs, and there's some long downs, but there's also some great ups and there's some great times that we could all have. So children, look out for your friends. Adults, look out, just say, are you okay? And don't accept the first answer, just say, are you okay, ask again. Because I'm telling you, when you ask and people then realise that you really do want to just be there to listen to them, they will start to talk to you and they will start to tell you, actually, I'm not okay. And that's the start. That's the start that you can make and I'm I'm sure that we can all make a difference. So... The Deer family can't believe all these rowers, all these runners, all these paddlers, all these canoeists, all these words that I never ever thought I'd be saying. Um, I can't believe there's all these people. We, the Deer family cannot believe there's all these people that are turned up for Grace. Grace would be jumping about and hooting and just going mad now. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you very, very much. And you rowers and runners, thank you again. Thank you very much. I'm here today at Weybridge and um, we're down on the river and I have got some wonderful people here so I'm just going to run past and see their names. So would you tell me who you are? Uh, I'm Matilda. I'm Ariana. I'm Martha. Emma Sumner. Catherine. Imogen. And what are we all doing here today? Uh, So we're here for the um, Paddle Down uh, for the Grace Deer Charity. Excellent. And so, are you all paddling? Yeah, yes. Yeah. But not not all not all together. So we're in, I'm in a K2 with um, someone. And what is a K2? Tell me what a K2 is. So a K2 is so it's like a K1. So a K1 is a normal kayak, but a K2 is one with two seats. Ah, okay. So you've got a so you've got a bit of a, a friend to go with. Fantastic. Um, me and Martha and Catherine are going to be in a K4 together with someone else from... Oh, fantastic. That's brilliant. And so how big are those paddles? Are they very big? They're very big. Uh, well, what we have to do is uh, we have to stand by our paddles. And if our hand can touch the top of our paddles, then it is a good paddle for us. Fantastic. So do you, do you recommend people coming along and doing paddling? No, no, it's very fun. It's really fun. It's, have so, it's so much fun most of the time. And it makes, makes so many friends. Yeah, it's a really and fun even if you like work hard on one day, you can make it up because it's still a really fun like club. Fantastic. That's every week yeah, we do a, it's, um, we, we, every other week we do a Wednesday race and it's to gain your handicap. So oh, okay. See how good you are, and if you get a specific handicap, you move up. Oh, wow! I love that. And what's with the purple? Because I'm loving the the girls are wearing purple bibs and then purple marks on their faces. Um, it's um the colour of the charity. 
so we're using it to represent the charity. I love that. That's amazing. Well, everyone's got uh, purple face paint and a purple bib or purple and clothes. This, and this is also yeah. a, um, a canoe that's starting here. Yeah, yeah she's just starting. She's not doing this. And you're yeah. you're just you're new, are you, to uh, rowing? Started, yeah, but she goes out in K2s. Fantastic. Well, you've been amazing, girls. I wish you so much luck, and I'm so impressed that you're here so early in the morning to go on that. Have a brilliant time. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. So I'm down here in Elmbridge, and we are at a run paddle row event, which is taking place for the Grace Deer Trust, and I have met. Grace's beautiful sister, Hope, and um, so I've encouraged her to have a conversation with me. <laughs> I'm not sure she's too delighted about it, but anyway, here we go. Um, so, Hope, it's lovely, lovely to meet you. Can you tell me um, when you set up the trust with your dad? Yeah, so um, it came about obviously when my sister took her own life in February 2017, and uh, we kind of it came about unexpectedly that. We raised, uh, instead of like flowers for her funeral, we said make a donation. So we set up a charity Just Giving page for Mind. And uh, we raised uh, £20,000 just within the space of about four months. And we were over the moon with that. It was amazing. Um, And when we sort of spoke to Mind and said, hey, like, this is amazing. Can you tell us sort of where this money went? And um, they came back to us and said, oh, it's going on sort of phone calls, etc. And we kind of just thought to each other and we were like, we've just raised £20,000 in the space of sort of three to four months. And we kind of was like, well, where's this going in our local community? Um, And because mine's such a national uh, charity, um, that's kind of when we as a dear family went, hold on a minute. Grace in general is uh, such an amazing person and she touched so many lives you know with the funeral we had sort of over 500 people there um, from all ages walks of life from previous work school everything Um, so we kind of came together and thought let's build this charity Uh, a year later the Grace Deer Trust was formed and um, we kind of had all these big ideas we went to sort of Isha High School and told them all and he was writing them all down like well hold on a minute you know because it's such a new idea um and then yeah so three three years on four years on we've kind of homed in on what we wanted to support people in surrey and in elmbridge specifically and uh we go into schools um we sort of provide counseling to young people and we do sort of teacher training just to educate young people and teachers Um, around mental health and then Run Paddle Row came along sort of recently um, because we're in sports organisations so you'll know that young people spend a lot of time at school they spend a lot of time with their family and then if they're connected to an organisation they spend a lot of time there so we were like actually this is where we can support young people further in Surrey Um, so yeah the sports organisation initiative grew about last year and we're in four local organisations uh, delivering mental health first aid training to their community so that they too can sort of help support young people. I think it's amazing. Um, I was talking to a few other people at schools and, um, you know, everyone's really struggling um, on many levels to support children, young young adults, um, 
and the funding isn't there from the government not to make this political or anything like that so I think it's absolutely amazing that you've taken this opportunity to really home in on on our local areas and schools as well and like you said the sport as well because people and, and and the schools and the um and this and the sports uh, clubs need it don't they yeah I mean like the funding obviously unfortunately it's not quite there because you know we're in a, a crisis a pandemic at the moment and there's sort of funding everywhere else not to make it political but you know so you've got uh, CAMS which is the children and adolescents mental health services now they are they do amazing thing for young people however they are inundated there's in this area alone it's between six to nine months before you get seen now I always say and my dad will say the same that the younger the the hardest part for young people is to ask for help and I think that's with adults as well like you know it's one of those that stigma that's attached that you're weak or you just don't actually know how to ask for help you know um and when, we, when they do finally ask for help and go, I'm not okay, or you, you spot that sign and go, hold on a minute, maybe this person isn't quite okay, and you go, right, well, we'll go and get some help then, and they get directed to CAMS, and there's a six- to nine-month waiting list. What does that say to that young person? It already says what they were thinking, which is, I'm not enough, I'm inadequate, um, I can't even get support because I'm not even that unwell. Um, so that's where the Grace Deer Trust comes along with, you know, we do help schools with counselling so that they each school in our area, we support nine schools at the moment, they all have either a day or two days a week counselling service for those young people. Uh, not one school has a waiting list for those uh, counselling counsellors at the moment which is great because we don't want any young person to have to wait to be supported you know if they broke their arm or their leg they go straight to A&E although it's a four-hour wait sometimes they get supported and they get help there that shouldn't be any different with mental health and um, we also do sort of private one-to-one counselling for those that you know it's mad to think that to be able to get support right there right then you have to pay for it and you know we've always been in a country where the NHS has been free and we're so fortunate for that why is mental health counselling any different you know no absolutely I'm 100% with you there I'll be charging at the front with you (laughs) (laughs) so tell me because it's such a hard uh, conversation to have and you've been you've had to go through a lot yourself how have you done it yourself I mean obviously you've got an amazing family you've sort of obviously pulled together but what do you do to help yourself on your days where you might feel you need a little bit of help around or, or you need you're feeling a little bit sad yeah so I kind of I always say that this charity has saved my life realistically and I'll be open and honest about that if it wasn't for me supporting other people I don't actually think I'd be here today um but on a side note what helps my mind and sort of gets me back onto a level that I can support other people because we all have our bad days is I play rugby Um, I'm actually going to play rugby match today so uh, it gets my sort of aggression out in a controlled manner sometimes 
maybe not so controlled if you've seen ladies play rugby you'll know what I mean um, but it's like a family network so yeah I play for Sutton and Epsom Rugby Club um, and they're like my second family they're, they're all really supportive so I know I can rely on them whenever I need some someone to talk to Oh, Thank you so much for taking time to talk to me I really do appreciate it I know we had the luxury of your dad but I, I'm so proud and pleased that you got to speak to us so thank, thank you so much Thank you for listening thank you for having me and thank you for coming today it's been great brilliant see you later (laughs) as well as being at the row paddle run event at weybridge coming up in the program i'll be talking to steve tyndall founder of the believe foundation and miss scott who is head of year eight and the pastoral care leader at fulbrook school Come in. It's going to be good. Come on, mate. Come on, let's go. Don't miss out on your two COVID jabs. Don't miss out on the good times. Over two-thirds of 18 to 30-year-olds have already had their first COVID jab. It's easy and there's plenty of ways to get yours done quickly. Visit nhs.uk slash COVID vaccination to book yours now or to find your nearest walk-in centre. Go on then, don't miss out. Starting from tomorrow, we unprecedented all experts to see When things don't feel so good out there, <sighs> make inside feel better. There are things we can all do to look after our mental well-being. Every Mind Matters can get you started with a free NHS online plan, showing you simple steps to help manage anxiety, sleep better, and boost your mood. For your mental health action plan, search Every Mind Matters today. Hi, I'm Jill Bennett. At Brooklyn's Radio, we believe your health matters. So why not join me at 1pm on the third Thursday of every month for a one-hour special show all about health. We cover lots of topics like what to eat, exercise, alternative health modalities and mindset and self-esteem. I always have great guests who specialise in the topic of the month. So why not tune in? That's Your Health Matters on the third Thursday of the month at 1pm. I'd love to have your company. We have come to visit Steve Tyndall today, who is the founder of Believe Foundation, which is headquartered at Holy Family Catholic Primary School, um, and that's in Onga Place in Adelstone. Thank you so much for having us here today, Steve. You're very welcome. It's lovely to meet you. So, Steve, I wondered if you could tell me a little bit about the Believe Foundation and um, why you decided to set it up. So the Believe Foundation are a a mental health and emotional well-being charity. We work to support young people who are suffering with any form of uh, mental health or emotional well-being problems. Um, We work in the local area. Um, We work with schools, primarily with schools and families directly, because we believe as educators we're perfectly placed to help young people Young people tell us nationally that they want to work with um, adults they know and they trust in an environment that they're familiar with. So we feel that schools are perfectly placed to get early intervention into place. Um, So Believe Foundation, we do a lot of work in terms of well-being programs across the school. So we believe in educating the children, giving them the skills and the knowledge and the strategies and the understanding 
of what emotional well-being is like and how to deal with it for themselves and other people. We have therapies which we put into schools to help um, early intervention. We have resources and CBT therapies and various other strategies that we put in. Um, And we set it up really, I set it up, 2020 was my 30th year in teaching. Uh, And when I got to 25 years, I thought if I make it to 30 years, I want to do something as a legacy, something outside of my own school where I can really help and help young people. And it was becoming increasingly evident that young people were struggling with their mental health and well-being pre-pandemic. So that was that was my driver, really. Um, I had personal experience through members of my family or people I'd worked with who had mental health and well-being problems. So I wanted to make a difference. So that was my target for 2020. And what a target. And 2020 also being a very challenging year to set up a charity. So tell me a little bit about, you know, the tries and tribulations of just setting up a charity and and also some of the successes that you've had. Yeah, sure. Um, Setting up a charity is a really difficult thing to do. Um, You know, applications of the Charity Commission, they're very, very thorough. Um, So it was a lot of work. And I said to someone recently, if you're ever going to set up a charity, don't do it at the beginning of a pandemic. Uh, But on reflection, actually, probably it was the right thing for us to do because what Belief Foundation did was it gave our local community a beacon of light during a really dark time. It gave people some hope because what, what we saw was they had something to connect to and, and well-being is all about connection. Um, so people were, at first it was difficult because we had to do it all on, on Zoom and, and virtual things. But once we started to have restrictions lifted and we could do some socially distanced events, people started to flock to us and, and come and get involved. And I think that's, that was a real boost for the community. So probably the timing didn't seem great, but it worked out to be quite positive for us. Um, and certainly people backed us with their time and, and with donations. Um, you know, we, we've raised double what we anticipated raising in, in the first 12 months. So I think it's been successful all round. I was going to say that's a success in itself, isn't it? It's amazing amazing achievement and one of the things that struck me when I was looking and doing some research on the website and also just in general was one of the statistics which was that one in six children from the age of five to 16 have been identified as having a mental health issue or um, a problem with their well-being and I was quite um, it's quite upsetting and quite staggering that that is um, the statistic and uh, obviously I'm not one to doubt the data that I was reading but is that really what you're seeing? Sadly it is yes Uh, and you know whichever the data can vary from whichever think tank or or research company you look at but it, it was widely accepted it was one in ten three or four years ago so you were always looking at three children in every class suffering uh, it went down it went into one in nine one in eight and and the latest studies suggest it's one in six um, and you do see that sadly in classrooms um, that more and more children are suffering it's not just the children it's coming from family issues people under a lot of pressure the pandemic has just exacerbated the whole thing um, you know job security being locked in at home spending more time um, changing patterns lack of activity physical activity um, but the biggest issue is the loss of social connection um, and more and more children have struggled um, so we we need to be proactive and we need to do something now and we need to to help these young people turn their lives around quickly 
Yeah, and the other thing, I mean, all ages, this is affecting the all ages, um, but also the, the tiny, who I still think are babies, you know, five years old, is that sort of, how how is that sort of um, sort of manifesting itself and sort of how are you seeing it in the classroom or in the community and how are you helping those real youngsters, those tiny ones who should be out when you think they should just be playing and not having any of these stresses? Yeah, look, we know that young people, uh, it sounds a cliche, but they're a bit of a product of their, of their environment. They, they react, and young people, children need to, to feel security. They've got, to, they've got to know that the parents around them or the adults around them are in control of things. Um, what has happened during the pandemic is that people have been under so much stress. People have been working from home, trying to juggle homeschooling, uh, family members who are sick. Um, and what's happened is that the children perhaps in some cases, haven't had the same contact time with parents, high-quality conversation, communication. That's where they're lacking is the social interaction. If they haven't been around other children in in larger groups, they find that difficult, and emotionally it's difficult for them to cope with. So certainly we're recommending in schools that young children are spoken to a lot, that play is a major part of their learning, which it is anyway, Um, but giving them time to communicate um, to speak to them, to listen to them, um, and to help them play and get their connections back, their social communication and their friendships back, because that's the key. If children are not happy, they're not going to learn, and that has to be children of all ages or young people of all ages. That's got to be our number one concern. Absolutely. And I was also thinking, just as you were speaking there, that um, you know, you talked about you wanted to set up something before the pandemic. So this has been, this isn't because of the pandemic. This is, this mental health issues have been sort of bubbling away, I guess. And then it's sort of imploded, I guess, because of the pandemic. Is that is that right? That's absolutely right, yeah. The, there was a, a major European study done in 2017 of 24 nations across Europe of 15-year-olds um, and tragically our 15 year olds finished top of the table in terms of anxiety and stress and bottom of the table in terms of life satisfaction and happiness and what we what we saw between 2015 and and the start of the pandemic was a decline in well-being of 10 to 15 year olds quite rapidly Um, and there's lots of reasons for that Um, so we all that the pandemic has done is it's taken it to another level but it was there before that and sadly it's coincided a lot of it with reduction in in services outside in the community um, many things have been closed down lack of funding um, and so from our point of view I always think that if there's a problem you've got two roads you can go down you can either complain about it and say it's everybody else's fault or you can say what can I do personally to change a little bit and that's all we did at Believe Foundation we just said what can we do on a small scale to help families schools and if we can do it in our community, it may spread. Um, but we, what we, we can't do is sit there and do nothing. Um, so we're just trying to get the message out that Belief Foundation are in the local area. We're here to support schools. Um, we normally go through schools first because schools know their children better than we do. Uh, we're not a counselling service. Um, it's about us education and putting in early intervention and therapies. Um, and I think... There's a ch- we've seen a snowballing already. We've, we've raised twice as much money as, as we thought we might in the first year. And it's not about the money. It's about the connections we've made and the professional partnerships that we're building. Um, the money just facilitates us being able to help more people 
Um, so it comes on the back of, of that. Um, so I think we're looking forward to what, what may come next. Absolutely. Um, and I was just thinking, as you're, you know, what signs, what can we help our listeners who um, are listening into this? You know, what signs should we all be looking out for, you know, whether we're aunties, mums, or cousins or friends you know of children and young people is there anything that is a telltale sign that someone actually is needing a little bit more extra help and care or some more more professional supported help is there any sort of signs you could share with us yeah well look parents know their children better than anyone so i think the first thing is any change in their normal personality or character or character is a sign children may become withdrawn Children may spend more time on their own. Um, they may not want to engage. They may be lacking energy and enthusiasm. You know, you might say to them, should we go down the park? And they, they don't really want to. And it's a sign that they're not feeling emotionally strong. Uh, they may become snappy. Um, so it's it's those changes, quite marked changes in behaviours um, that really are the first warning signs that a child is, is struggling. Um, but I just encourage parents to talk to their children all the time and encourage the children to talk about their feelings because it's been too much of a stigma for too long you know and we always say any any children that we work with with belief we always say to them if you have a, a physical injury to your leg and you can't play in a sports game you'd say I've, i'm injured i have a physical injury and you wouldn't worry about that um but if you're emotionally not right we seem to have, there's a barrier to saying i don't feel right uh and I think what's happened in the summer with some of the Olympians coming out and opening up to their own personal challenges, it's made it more accessible for people to say, I'm not in the right place. You know, we all know about heart problems and we, and we, and we sympathise with people who have heart problems for obvious reasons because that's a physical issue. But the brain is, a, is an organ the same as the heart and our brain gets affected the same way. So, so let's start opening up the debate and saying it's OK to talk and it's OK not to feel great today. And it's okay to have a range of emotions. That's the other thing we're teaching children, that anger is a normal emotion. There's nothing wrong with it. It's what you do with your anger and how you deal with it that's important. But anger, anger doesn't mean you're bad. It's not a, it's not a bad thing. Um, so it's that, it's that understanding. If I understand, if you educate me and I understand, I've got a better chance of learning the strategies and coping. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And sport is a very big part um, of what you believe in with the foundation as well so and i know you're a great sport fan um so you're linking a lot of the um the mental health with sporting activities i think is there anything extra you can share with us there well we are look um being active is one of the the six ways to well-being that we we advocate at belief foundation um so the more active you are the better it is for your um, mental well-being um, we know the science is all there how, we, how it, it strengthens your mitochondria and, and all the other things in your body so so that sport is a really good way of doing that but it's not just the actual physical element of sport it's the social interaction um, being around people being in a team feeling proud of yourself that's all fantastic for your mental health and well-being sport teaches you so much about winning losing preparing um, dealing with setbacks celebrating together um, all the things that make us feel good because when it comes down to it, positive well-being is all about surrounding yourself with really good people. Because if you can do that, they make you feel good, you make them feel good. Giving is another one of the ways 
to well-being. So if, if you give to other people, if you help other people, it makes you feel good. And sport, again, is another great way of doing that. So we, we try to advocate. What we've tried to do, I believe, is we started with, with sporting events, really. But we try to help people understand that sporting events are great. Taking part in art is great. Um, helping other people is volunteering is great. We were at, a music, at the Shinefest Music Festival in, in September uh, because that's a great event, being around your friends. So the six ways of well-being, I would advise people to look at those and see which of those do I do. Because if I, if I can combine those, I'll be in a pretty good place. Absolutely. And I was just thinking, is there anything else our community, community can do to help the foundation and our young people? Is there anything you'd like to share with the, the listeners? Uh, really just that, you know, we've started fairly small, but actually we, ha- we are here to work with as many schools as possible. So I think alert your, if you have children, alert your school to the fact that Belief Foundation are out there. We are, we are doing work. We're putting many programs in. We're looking to do more this year. And that's the best way to help the children. The children have said themselves that young people, people we trust in an environment we're familiar with, we're better than school. They spend more of their waking hours in school during term time than anywhere else so that's that's a great place to start um, look at our website um, follow us on social media and and get involved in some of the activities because you might actually think that that you wouldn't be welcome but of course you would be welcome and you you may turn up and realize that you've found a new passion or a new interest and and that's always great for your well-being excellent that's fantastic anything else final comments that you'd like to like to share um anything else for the foundation that you'd like to um to comment on um i i guess um i have to be a little bit tight-lipped but and I'm, and I'm desperate to say something <laughs> but um i think just sometimes you just do something so we started out just wanting to make a difference to one family one school um and what we've realized is that 12 months 14 months on other people outside our local area are recognizing what we are doing um and then so we're gonna have we've got some exciting news to announce next week some really exciting news um which just actually what it's proven to us is that by helping somebody it snowballs quite quickly uh, and and if we can continue if we can all do that if we can all look after somebody else's well-being just one person each day then you've made a difference to the world uh, and that person will then help somebody else hopefully so just one person a day if we can do that then you're doing a great job i like that message it's that that pay it pay it forward i love that that's awesome thank you so much steve for speaking to me today um and sharing your knowledge and updating us with the latest news um really really appreciate all your work and um all the best and fantastic love and luck and uh we will keep in touch for sure thank you very much leanne and um if you look on our social media, we will next week um, announce our very, very exciting news linked to another very, um, well, a very, very well-known foundation in the UK. Uh, our website is www.believefoundation.co.uk. Uh, find us on Instagram, Facebook or Twitter. Just look up Belief Foundation and we're there. Uh, and follow us. And, and if you want to turn up at one of our events in, in the future, please come and say hello um, and we'll welcome you. Fantastic. Thank you very much. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking to Miss Scott, who is the head of Year 8 and drama teacher here at Fulbright School. Thank you so much for speaking to us today, Miss Scott. No problem at all. It's my pleasure. So, Miss Scott, I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about your role here at Fulbright School. 
Absolutely. Um, so I've been teaching for just over three years now. This is my fourth year. Um, I am a head of learning at Fulbrook, which means head of year, and I'm head of year eight. Um, and I'm also a drama teacher. Um, for me, I think it was always about the pastoral care of our young people. I became a teacher. I love my subject. I love drama. Um, but for me, it was always about looking after our young people. That's why I became a teacher, was to teach. Um, and so that's kind of how I've fallen into the pastoral route um, and I really enjoy it I absolutely love it Um, and actually it is something within schools um, generally teachers tend to go down one of of two career paths which might be pastoral which is more about the um, care of our young people or curriculum which is more kind of subject based Um, so actually pastoral is about learning um, how to support our young people and their mental health and their well-being Brilliant. Fantastic. And I'm really particularly keen, keen, sorry, to explore with you your experience around our young people and their mental health well-being. Um, understandably, the pandemic has added a lot more pressure to what was already a fragile situation um, and with our children and their mental health and well-being. And I just wondered if you could share your experiences with us um, and your school's experience um, pre, during and, and post the pandemic. Yes, definitely. Um, so, since the pandemic, um, kind of post lockdown, shall we say, we have certainly seen an increase in numbers um, with students that are coming forward to talk about how they feel in terms of their mental well-being, which is obviously a very, very positive thing. Um, I do think that mental health is being spoken about more openly in schools, again, which is really, really important. Um, and actually for us as teachers, um, particularly as pastoral leads, as those people that are, are responsible for our young people's mental well-being that actually you know we have to put on so many different hats every single day we are teachers um, sometimes we take on the role of a parent we're a mentor to our young people we're a social worker and now we are also um, a mental health support a mental health you know a well-being support for our young people and actually we do we need more specialist support for our young people and that's not always um, easy to access we have lots of charities and things that that we can put our young people in contact with Um, however waiting lists can be long for particular um, external agencies so it can be very very difficult but obviously we do everything that we can in school to support our young people Um, and that's obviously our role as teachers that is why we go into teaching is because we want to to help our young people and to look after their mental well-being yeah absolutely and I was just wondering um as you were talking there is there any sort of are you finding more girls coming to you or is it boys or is there an equal amount of children and young adults coming to speak to you about about their problems and their issues so I think we do see more girls more females coming forward to talk about how they feel um I think that you know generally speaking girls can be a little bit more expressive with how they feel Um, but that doesn't mean that our young men aren't struggling with their mental health Um, and I think that's a really important thing to note actually is that just because somebody is talking about how they feel that's excellent and we can support them Um, 
But equally, if somebody's not talking about how they feel, that doesn't mean that there's not a problem. And I think with lots of our young boys, and actually it's a a wider societal issue, is that, you know, young men can't talk about how they feel and shouldn't talk about feelings. And obviously that's that absolutely shouldn't be the case um, and we really do try and encourage our young our young boys to talk up and, and talk about how they feel um, I think that's really really important to actually speak up um, and we try and encourage that as best we can but we do seem to hear more from our girls that come forward and, and are able to express how they're feeling and generally speaking they find it easier to talk about it however we you know when we do hear of our young person that might be struggling at school we do everything we possibly can to support them but actually it does seem at the moment that that girls are coming forward more for that support than our than our young men are yeah and I was just also thinking around sort of the children and young adults from disadvantaged backgrounds um it does this make it more difficult for people to be able to reach out and get that help um or or is it sort of equal again um Absolutely. I I think, you know, low-income families will suffer with other difficulties in their lives, um, whether that might be not being able to access particular um, clubs or doing things after school, whether that be from a financial perspective. You know, obviously all of our school clubs at school are free and are for all of our students to attend. But obviously if students want to do dance or a particular club outside of school that might cost money, then there's not always that provision for our low-income families also we find that certain low-income students they might be a young carer they might need to go home and and look after somebody at home or they might need to be back home for a younger sibling that's coming home from school because their parents are at work and so things become really really difficult to juggle and that then in turn can lead to mental health struggles for those young people Um, we also find that some of our lower income families find it more difficult to actually reach out and ask for that support Um, and also obviously they are less able to afford any kind of private support and although you know when you get through and you have a a CAMS a children and adults mental health services referral the support that you receive is fantastic you know it's second to none and the NHS works so hard on that but waiting lists unfortunately are are very very long Um, and for low-income families they can't always afford private support and so they're limited as to what they can access and obviously we do what we can in school um, but actually when other agencies are involved and it can take a long time to get that support sometimes there isn't always that that time you know that young person needs that support and that help within that moment and if unfortunately families can't pay for that help then that that does lead to certain difficulties and we obviously do everything we can to support those people in school but it's not always easy no absolutely and that really sort of comes on to sort of the challenges of schools and some of the funding that we were talking about earlier before we went live with our uh, interview (laughs) um sort of the what are schools you know facing um you know for the the children and supporting the children is it it is the funding I guess Mm. that is the main area of concern here Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it is very, very difficult. And we are stretched in schools, as are the NHS. Children and adults mental health services waiting lists are huge. Um, And lots of people are finding post pandemic that they need more support. Um, And obviously, it's been a really difficult time for our young people. I think, you know, sometimes we moan about being locked away for such a long time. But actually, it's been so detrimental to their development and the way that they respond to one another and the way that they learn to be at school because they've almost forgotten and actually to sit in front of a computer screen in your PJs is a lot easier for 
for some people than coming into school and it's been a real shock to the system um and so actually in terms of funding and things we are stretched as schools um i know obviously the nhs is, is very very stretched as well and there's only so much that we can do with the funding that we do get for mental health provision um, at Fulbrook, we are very, very fortunate in that we have Icon, which is a charity um, on site. And so lots of our young people go over to Icon and they're able to access support from that charity, which is a fantastic provision. And so many of our young people take up that opportunity, which is amazing. But actually, not everybody wants to receive that support at school. Some people do want to receive support in a slightly more private location. Um, and there are lots of fantastic charities out there such as Young Minds um, which we often point our young people in the direction of because they, they're fantastic and they offer free support online as well um, and as we've said already the waiting list for CAMS are absolutely huge unfortunately and that is something that we are dealing with at schools um, we do everything we can and we put everything in place that we can Something that has actually come from the, p the pandemic, um, when we came back after lockdown last year, we opened up the hub at Fulbrook. And the hub is essentially a safe space for our young people to go if they are struggling with their mental well-being on a particular day. Um, in the hub is Miss Williams, um, who is our inclusion officer at school. Um, and young people can go and they can sit in there, they can play games. It's a real safe space. And they can go and use that if they feel that they need to at a break or lunchtime. Um, and also... Miss Mutto works in the hub and she is Elsa trained um, so that's a fantastic provision as well for our young people so we are doing absolutely everything we can to support that at school but obviously Mrs Brown you know the, the funding is is very short so it, we do what we can. Well I think you've done a brilliant job haven't you really if you think of all those things that you've now been able to put in place it's un unbelievable and what sort of telltale signs should we be thinking and, and looking out for if um, we see you know chatting to our, our kids if we're aunties uncles or uh, friends you know is there any sort of telltale signs that we should be like keeping our eyes and, and ears open for? Absolutely I mean you know everybody is different and therefore those kind of changes in people will manifest in different ways and if you know somebody generally I would say trust your gut if that person is coming across slightly differently to how they usually present perhaps they're slightly withdrawn they're quieter than usual maybe they want to spend a bit more time on their own um, perhaps their appearance is slightly different they look a bit more tired all of those things when you know somebody I think they are warning signs. If you know that something's not quite right and it's not sitting right with you, then absolutely that, that is a telltale sign that somebody might be struggling. Um, and what I would suggest is speaking to that person about it or if you don't feel that you can talk to that particular person about it, speak to their teachers. So for our young people out there listening, if you're worried about a friend, speak to a teacher, speak to your parent and perhaps they can talk to your school about it. Um, that's really important. Maybe speak to the GP so you know if you've got a child that's struggling speak to the school and speak to your GP I think that's really really important quite often we just we sometimes think that um, something might not be an issue because it's said once but actually you know that those small things can end up snowballing so if we discuss it in those early stages then we're more likely to catch those people before they hit the kind of stage where they feel that they then can't return from it it becomes very very difficult to talk about it so look for those little signs and I think when you see them absolutely the right thing to do is act on it and if you feel you can't talk to them specifically then talk to somebody that you can trust um, and then they can obviously start to put things in place to support that person.
I think that's brilliant advice, absolutely. So I know um, we've we've talked and I think you might have a few little hacks <laughs> that you can actually share with our listeners as well of, of things to help with our own anxieties. So would you share that too? Yes, absolutely. Um, so there are lots and lots of things that you can do if you are struggling with anxiety. I think talking is so, so important. You know, speak about how you're feeling, talk to somebody that you can trust. Um, for me, yoga always helps. I find that is really, really relaxing. There are some fantastic um, free practices on YouTube that you can actually access, which are fab. Um, and they are, you know, they teach all the kind of yoga practices from basic yoga to advanced, depending on, on what you can do. Um, and also breathing exercises. Again, part of um, yoga practice, there's a particular breathing exercise called pranayama, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, and that's a breathing exercise that really helps me when I feel that I'm getting a little bit anxious or a little bit panicky. Um, and that's definitely something I would say, look that up on YouTube because it's really helpful. Um, sport and exercise are so important I know that I try and include that into my my daily life I like running and I play netball and that really helps me to unwind um, and walking as well I know we were speaking about this earlier Mrs Brown um, going for a walk even if you haven't got your dog <laughs> if you don't you don't need a dog to walk um, I certainly find that taking my dog Gus out for a walk always helps me um, with my anxiety but actually you don't need a dog to walk and walking is so beneficial for so many reasons you get that fresh air stay off your phone turn your phone off leave it in your bag um, and just have have an hour to yourself just to clear your mind um, and I find that really really helpful I think walking is probably as simple as it is yeah. <laughs> is the best thing if you're feeling anxious get out and, and get some fresh air Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, absolutely. Whether it comes rain or shine, I yes. think it, it's very good. Um, so before we wrap up our chat, I wondered if you had any messages or advice that you'd like to share um, finally. Yes, absolutely. I just think it's so important to remember that you never actually know how somebody is feeling deep down. And just because somebody presents as okay doesn't always mean that they're feeling okay. I think it's important to always be kind and just consider that we don't always know what is going on in somebody else's life. Um, and actually, for me, as cheesy as it sounds, a problem shared really is a problem halved. And I think if you talk about how you feel and you have somebody that you can trust, then you know you feel so much better for it and I think it is really important to speak out so if you are struggling if there is somebody that's sat at home today and you feel that you are struggling please talk to somebody about it it's so important and I promise you will feel better once you've spoken about how you feel thank you so much Miss Scott it's absolutely wonderful to speak to you and get your perspective on on this um these issues and problems that we have and looking after our young children as well so thank you thank you for taking time to speak to us no problem thank you so much for having me um, and just make sure that we take care of ourselves be kind to ourselves um, and be kind to those around us as well fantastic brooklyn's radio believes your health matters Thank you to Leanne Brown for that special programme for World Mental Health Day. And Leanne was at the Row Paddle Run event at Elbridge Canoe Club in aid of the Grace Deer Trust for Mental Health and was also talking to Steve Tyndall of Believe Foundation at Holy Family Catholic Primary School and Miss Scott, drama teacher and head of Year 8 from Fulbrook School, about pastoral care. Join Jill Bennett for the next edition of Your Health Matters on Thursday the 21st of October at 1pm when Jill will be featuring mental health. 